Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. Hey, Greg. Bells, how are you doing? I'm pretty well. Pretty well. Raining hard here in North Georgia on this Thursday morning. We are going to, let's see, what are we going to do? We're going to give a, we're going to give kind of a big picture overview of 2023, or at least the first half of 2023, as we sort of really kick off the 2026 cycle. And for the, on the women's side, as we enter into the uh, home stretch ahead of the 2023 World Cup. Yep. The women, of course, have a greater sense of urgency because it's a World Cup year and because we ended 2022 with, uh, you know, three losses and a win. And not a lot of attacking verve. We talked about m- much of that in uh, Woso Wednesday, which is our sort of new once every two weeks episode with Tara and Vince and me. But um, we should probably quickly work through the upcoming schedule for the women. First, they play two friendlies in New Zealand against New Zealand next week. That's Tuesday and Friday. Right. So we're bringing a full strength squad in, into what is basically a dress rehearsal, I think, to get everyone uh who who's a lot of people who will be in the on the roster in 2023 in June and July June and July July August uh July August. July August yeah uh getting them acclimated with the the time zones the you know the logistics cuz all both friendlies in New Zealand all three of our group stage games in New Zealand um you and Tara and Vince uh noted that New Zealand's team will be anything but full strength they will be severely weakened uh even at full strength you know they're tier or two below our women's team i'm comfortable saying uh talent wise so this could be this could be this actual soccer on the field um could also feel very dress rehearsal ish not not really full speed here yeah am am i uh, am i actually totally misunderstanding what a dress rehearsal is (laughs) yes dress rehearsals are supposed to be full speed this will be like a, a workshop (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe the workshop can be uh, just a lot of uh, attacking final third attacking patterns. That would be perfect if we just workshop attacking third patterns and decisions and execution uh, in New Zealand. I would love that because then after that, in February, we have the She Believes Cup, which should see the talent uh, in the competition um, improve significantly in part because it's a full FIFA window. So everyone has access to their best players mm-hmm. and also because our opponents are Canada, then Japan, then Brazil. Well, you've bemoaned the fact that we didn't bring uh, sort of more of a workshop attitude to our uh, easier fixtures in 2022. And so, so you know, maybe uh, maybe Vlaco will do that here. Well, hope, well let's hope so. And, and again, 20, late 2022, in those losses to England uh, and Germany, who else did we lose to? Uh, Spain, Spain. Um, that's where we, that, I mean, that might've been Vlatko's first inkling that we absolutely had to do some workshopping if, and hopefully he has had that inkling that has inklinged, um, because, because I think, I think we do. And so, uh, let's hope that he thinks the same thing and tries out some new, uh, new ideas, uh, in January and then really gives them the full test in February. The contests in February are against Canada, Japan, and Brazil. Should be good games with good competition, like you mentioned earlier. Um, anything you're looking for from those games? I imagine we'll have a similar roster to the one that we have for these New Zealand games. Yeah, the pool already seems pretty tight, right? I mean, there's there's Macario who might be coming back from injury around around February, but that that still might be too early for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
Seems uh, iffy. Seems iffy. At the yeah, moment. and then and then it's going to be Smith and Rapino, who are both out injured for this January trip, uh, might be sort of back in in the mix, and a lot of that could depend on how some of our other players acquit themselves. So Sophia Smith is going to be in the roster. I mean, there's no question about that when she's healthy. Um, I don't know if there's a chance that some of the like a Trinity Rodman and and Midge Purse can knock Rapino out. I mean, it's it's seems like Rapino is sort of locked in as player mentor. Uh, for the, for the rest of this cycle, yeah, Vlako loves her so much. Don't we all? Don't we all? Then there are the FIFA windows in April and June, which will presumably be for tune-up games, and then of course the World Cup in July and August. I say we should win the World Cup. <laughs> We're we will be. I'm sure we'll be betting favorites. Do you think? Do you think we'll even slip out of the top of the uh, the Vegas lines? Maybe if we, uh, I guess a little bit depends on what happens against Canada, Japan, and Brazil. But yeah, I suppose that's true. Uh, it, it's going to be awesome, and it's it is cool. I know that every every cycle, it's like the rest of the world's catching up. Um, but it, I mean, I think it's I think it's clear that the level of soccer has improved at, in around the other top countries, uh, and that has been fun to watch. And it's been fun to watch us try to you know uh, take on those those higher levels of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm again I'm super excited about the World Cup and, and part of it is because the level of play is increasing and it's like alright are we going to raise our standard too we've got right. we've got some talented players out there yeah we do we do need to raise our standard two notes one I've mentioned this quite a few times on the podcast lately but we will be in Nashville for the Japan game which is at 2.30pm local time at Geodis Park where Nashville SC plays and uh, Vince is going to be there so we meaning you and you and I and um, my family will be there. I believe some of your family will be there, and then Vince will be there too, and uh, several other several other members of the Discord. So we're gonna tr- we're trying to get a big group together, try to have some fun, play some soccer. Haven't quite sorted that out, but we're um, we're working on it. The other thing is, like I said earlier, check out the Woso Wednesday episode. I think you know we're just getting started with that, but I think we are. Um, I think it's gonna be good. First episode was great. Loved the first episode, so well done to you, Tara and Vince. Thank you. Let's move to the men, and probably have a little longer discussion since we, it, since you and I haven't, we haven't convened since the Gregorian calendar switched over. <laughs> Not has, has anything happened in that? I mean, we're only I, twelve days into <laughs> January, so it's, I couldn't have missed much. A few things have happened. <laughs> we will. Uh, well, let's talk briefly about the coaching situation first. Um, it won't be, be Zidane. It won't be Zidane. Uh, won't be Martinez. Martinez. No, it won't be Roberto Martinez. According to Jeff Carlisle, it's probably not going to be Greg Berhalter either. And I'll, I'll play the clip and then I'll explain why I think it's meaningful. Just a second. What do you think? Where, where does this scandal leave Greg Berhalter and his candidacy moving forward to get another four years with the U.S.? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I don't think there's a way that, that Greg Berhalter can continue uh, as, as manager of the U.S. men's national team. So that was on Football Americas uh, uh, earlier this week. And, you know, it's informed speculation from Carlisle, but I, would, I think it's fair to say he's the dean of the men's national team journalists at, the, at this point. And it is worth listening to when he says something like this. So... Yeah, and it, it's interesting because I, 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 I'd be curious to hear him expand on that because uh, he says he can't continue, right? I don't think he can continue, uh, and, and I'm inclined to agree. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's because of the drama, as I, as I'd said 
when the initial Geo uh, stuff broke out, for me, that was all the more reason to keep him because that's fantastic drama. Uh, you know, almost having to send a player home, all the intrigue around that, how you, how it was managed to stay quiet through the tournament and only came uh-huh. out after. Uh, like I, I love that kind of drama around the team. Um, but then, then it gets into like some real serious non-sport stuff. And, and for me, like I understand, you know, and as Greg Berhalter said in his comments to Harvard, this, the, the part of this story, his uh, comments to Harvard. <laughs> Is that, was that correct? I don't even I think. Fair enough. Yeah. He, just, he was just standing outside Harvard speaking to it. Uh, uh, no, it, it, the, the part, part of the story gets very like, you know, unentertaining very quickly when it's talking about, you know, a trauma that uh, a real human being had to endure 30 years ago. And, and while that trauma never should have been shared, you know, with that person's name attached to it, like everyone's saying it's none of our business. I, to an extent, I disagree with that. Like if our, the head coach of our team has charges of domestic violence against them, I don't think that's none of our business. Uh, it's, it shouldn't have, no one should have been named uh, for the person who had to actually, you know, suffer the trauma. But I do think that's to an extent our business. And I don't actually think that when you have, when you have that history that, you know, Greg has admitted to having, that I, I really don't think that that person should be the face of the men's national soccer team program. So for me, that actually is like, Okay, it, it, the the reason it came out was obviously like bad faith from the Reinas, but the incident Greg described, I'm like, okay, well then he shouldn't be our coach anymore. You know, I I didn't play the whole clip uh, just because I wanted to kind of move along, but it, that's basically what he said. Okay, so even so though it was Carlisle's even though it was a long time ago, um, it's just U.S. Soccer's in a situation where they can't that can't be. I mean, he they didn't use those exact words, but he can't be the face of the program yeah and and i i I, in that case yeah i'm I'm on the same page as carlisle and uh you know there there will be coaching candidates there's a pool of coaches we can draw from that won't have that history so i want to draw from that pool by the way jim Curtin. so so similar subject but slight change of subject jim Curtin was quoted by jonathan tannenwald earlier this week saying something that i thought was kind of interesting he said essentially 2026 is such a big deal that every coach in the country should be willing to even be an assistant uh, to sort of get things done. So he's sort of like the spirit of what he's saying is it's, it should be all hands on deck. And I'm, I think implicitly he's saying I'm willing to be one of those hands on the deck. I mean, we'll see, but that's kind of a, it was cool to see him say that um, he's often talked about as one of the potential candidates uh, for the job. I'm not saying I'm a big fan of that, of 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 him being the next national team coach just saying i thought i thought the quote the quote was interesting yeah you could read it as him you know volunteering to be the kit man or it could be him you know <laughs> making a play to his who he hopes will be his assistants if he right. can get the job right right uh yeah i don't i don't really i mean same thing when when we were going through this in 2018 through the search for a coach i really don't have a lot of strong takes on who's going to be a good coach for the national team it's really hard to have like a home run guarantee ahead of time uh, or to have like a certain flop. I mean, who knows? Anthony Hudson's going to put on a master class in his interim year of 2023 mm. and he's going to be the guy. Uh, but the one thing I do want to say is I do wish that like the the search and maybe it, maybe it will would include some more like obscure players names. I don't feel like it has to be like a name that we've all heard of before. I don't know that that is, uh, you know, necessarily like the pool it should be restricted to. So a couple of, you know, examples that have been kind of tossed out in the discord would be like a vincent company 
uh, somebody who's turned around a, a team style very quickly uh, in short order at the club level, um, even if he doesn't have a long resume. And, and I'm not saying we can just go out and get whoever we want who's done this, but you know, just some of those less sort of heralded or, or less uh, recognized names in the coaching game rather than the same ones that always pop up every time there's a head coaching search. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, and I think we, it should be somebody ideally for me, it's some, it'd be somebody who's a little bit of an outsider and not part of this sort of cabal is a freighted word, but you know, this like tightly knit group of graduates of ACC universities (laughs) and um, people who grew up in, you know, Rosarina two Shadow. or three, two or three specific towns in New Jersey. <laughs> it's like, come on, we gotta do a wide search, bring in somebody from outside, make it a make it an actually self sustaining system that isn't like a family business. Like, uh, you know, we we follow Mark McKenzie closely. Like uh, the guy who just took over at Gank, right? Has he was at Mechelen, Mechelen in the Belgian league before, and brought them to like a respectable level, takes over a gank and they're just cruising through the Belgian league right now. Uh, and I don't think they've brought in a ton of big money players. They've, they've unloaded a couple of center backs uh, for decent money, but like that kind of a turnaround is kind of what catches my eye to see if, if that maybe that guy has the right vision, the right chops to install something. Uh, and, and again, I'm not like, Oh, it has to be somebody foreign, but I just think that we should be looking at those kinds of resumes as well. Put them all in sort of uh, the binder and and pour pour over them for a bit right yeah let's do it come on guys come on brian come on ernie um so first thing on the schedule is uh well let's big picture um it really is a year for the men in which new players have a chance to announce themselves i think uh we have a u20 world cup we have a u17 world cup in november two trophies available to the men but these are trophies the nation's league trophy and the gold cup trophy that won't necessarily demand full strength rosters from us. So there's hopefully time and room for experimentation, uh, in lots of windows too, lots of FIFA windows aside from the things I've mentioned. Yeah. Not just room for experimentation, but almost like necessary experimentation. And I don't mean necessary because the, the team calls for it. Like our, our 2026 goals demand experimentation right now, but more like the players who would normally make up our best, strongest group should not necessarily be playing all these windows. They should actually be no. rested, which means that the, the guys under them uh, will be sort of experimental inclusions, um, you know, case by case. But the World Cup itself wasn't necessarily grind, but the qualifying leading up to it, following like the COVID pause, like it has been an absurd uh, 18 months, 24 months for so many of the players who had big roles in qualifying in the World Cup for us. That for for all I care, like take the whole year off uh, if you need it. Otherwise, maybe just come back and play Mexico in the Nations League <laughs> semis and final. Yeah, uh, you know, I actually think that's sort of the perfect time. Should we should we run through kind of the the calendar quick? Yeah. Well, okay. So cu- Camp Cupcake first. We'll we'll get a roster here at some point. Anthony Hudson in charge. Mikey Varis helping him. Um, it is kind of meaningless, I suppose totally meaningless and i think i think that everyone realizes it including u.s soccer and i think that's why we don't even have a roster it's obviously not going to be a three-week camp and it doesn't need to be the it's an interim coach the group that's going to come together here is a totally one-off group that will like never assemble again so it's not like we need to get them a ton of reps together uh there's no face time with whoever the coach will be presuming 
that it's not going to end up being Anthony Hudson long term. Uh, so yeah, so this Yikes. can't. If we don't didn't even have put that out into the universe. <laughs> if we didn't already have these friendlies scheduled, we could totally bin this whole camp, and it would not matter one bit. So I, I get why they're like not having an extended thing. They're going to fly the guys in like the day of the game, <laughs> play it, and send them home, send them back to their preseason. Okay, so March then March comes. Well, the the Camp Cupcake games are against Serbia and uh, Colombia. The 25th and the 28th. So not next week, but the one after that. In March, we play two not very daunting opponents. Uh, first, Grenada, and then El Salvador, who we are competing with for top of the group in, uh, in our, you know, to get to the semis. I think... So El Salvador's already played all their games but us. Uh, they, so they only have one game left. Oh, um, okay. And, and so we, we, as far as I know, we need to just tie El Salvador and not lose to Grenada by a lot of goals. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're, we're going to make it to the semis. So, so <laughs> probably, I mean, you know, unless some, something really terrible happens, but, uh, you, you still don't think we should bring in the, the anybody from the world cup for this window. Uh, I, so I'd go case by case here. I actually, for me, my mark, my ideal March window um, I don't, I even have to backtrack on that. I don't have one cause I don't know if we're gonna have a coach yet. If we don't have a coach yet, which would be fine. I don't think we even need to have our coach in place by March. Uh, it doesn't really matter again for my own curiosity. I'd love to see some of the obscure European players who will be available since it's a FIFA window. Uh, so that's what I'd want to see just as a, as a, as sort of a, a fun time. And, and then as far as the world cup players, I would just, I'm just thinking like case by case of, who hasn't had an exhausting 24 months. So like a Cameron Carter Vickers, yeah, he went to Qatar, but he wasn't involved in qualifying up to that. He's not like been nonstop for all this time. Bring him in. Chris Richards, mm-hmm. bring him in. You know, he hasn't played much at all. Uh, so Tim so Way, Tim Way, I should probably come in. Tim Way, maybe. No, I would not bring Tim Way in. Like let, leave him home. But maybe a Gio Reyna? Maybe a Gio No, Reyna I, I think we should bring Tim Way in because he's not playing for his club. I mean, unless he gets a move. If he gets a move and he starts to... I mean, he's playing. That's the thing. Like he's he's grinding every every week. He's doing all the things that a player does, other than racking up tons of minutes. But he was he was in all of the qualifying windows uh, last year, leading and then leading up to the World Cup. So he has just been, you know, he hasn't had a, a pause. He hasn't had a chance to take a breath. And so that's what, that, those are the guys I just want to be able to breathe for a bit, uh, and not have them go in their first international break, go straight back across the, to. Uh, across the ocean and play again. I wanted to have that kind of a, you know, mental break. Okay. March could be the fun roster and, and it's still like the reps won't, won't necessarily matter if there's no new coach, the, you know, the FaceTime with the coach. Uh, I don't need them getting FaceTime with Hudson, but there are so many cool names we could bring in there. Like uh, you could get Pepe back in, you could get DK back in, uh, Malik Tillman, um, you know, Georgie. Uh, is, Taylor is Booth. There. Yeah, like a Taylor Booth coming in. Like there, there are a lot of interesting names who could be like that one, one level below uh, our our real key core players, and you could start to find players who aren't going to be a huge drop off over the next eighteen months while the true depth chart sort of sorts itself out. Yeah, I also should mention Alex Mendez. Uh, I'd like to see Alex Mendez in that camp as well. Um, so March happens. Uh, we most likely qualify for the semis and the, uh, the semifinals of Nations League. And then in May, the U-20 World Cup in Indonesia, the, uh, the original 
bailiwick of the scuff podcast <laughs> i'll be i'll be watching with great interest because i think we have a good team and a, and a team that plays well together you know they sort of they ran through concacaf qualifying last summer but i think the the thing we're the the sort of other thing i'll be watching for is is there anybody on this team who can maybe start helping the senior national team pretty soon because nobody sort of jumps out as that i don't think from this team even though they play really well together and their their brand of soccer is pleasing to the eye and and so i think what we're going to have here is a, a, what we'll get is a good preview a good fun preview of who we can keep watching later uh, as they all go back to their clubs but i don't think it's going to be anything where it's like oh we need to get this guy into camp tomorrow yeah. and part of part of that is just because again where where we are in the cycle and what the you know status quo is now and the status quo is 10 to 12 really good players for the senior team um, and then trying to build the depth around them. And we're three and a half years out and I'm seeing people saying that's going to go fast and and it kind of will, but three and a half years is still a long time. I'm I'm trying to think, uh, you know, relative to the Qatar world cup, it'd be like, we're, we're talking, that was, that was gold cup 2019. Right. So if, if you're three and a half years out, is that even right? Yeah. 2019 gold cup, like you've got a minute. The, mm-hmm. the 2019 Gold Cup, it was not vital that we get all of the fringe pieces correct. You know what I mean? Like, take take a look at some guys, but it's not so important. It's not imperative that you get all of the right fringe pieces in camp uh, or you won't have time to do it. We're, we're nowhere near that threshold where we got to integrate the guy now or it's too late and his ship sailed and we can't do it before the World Cup. Like, we have an eternity to do this stuff in relative terms. Yeah, and it's going to be... Uh, you know, we're just going to have to sort of let the pool simmer for a while and see what happens. Because like that 2019 Gold Cup final, Josie Altidore started that game. And Michael Bradley, I believe, started that game too. Oh, yeah. Yep, that was so, Bradley and Josie. Basically a, an entirely different era. Well, Josie's last game for the national team, in fact. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So his last game was a loss to Mexico. And Michael Bradley's was the loss to Canada. Maybe maybe this January will be their send off. I saw somebody suggest that. <laughs> uh, don't you kind of doubt it? It will not be. It definitely won't yeah. be. I think I actually like your idea better, which is to just let the U20s run it and actually get them reps that will be useful since they're going to go compete in a World Cup in May. Right. Maybe that's what they're trying to decide now, whether to just make it a U20 camp. Um June in June we have the semifinals and finals. Should be fun. The last one was awfully fun. Uh, if you remember, it's the, it was, uh, Clint Dempsey's debut as a, as a TV commentator, as a T, as a studio analyst, that guy went flying over the wall, uh, Pulisic hit the penalty to win it and, uh, shushed the crowd and they got that iconic image. And then, um, a bunch of people were throwing stuff at him, and it was, a it was, it was chaos, beautiful chaos. So, so for me, this is the perfect, assuming you qualify for this. This is the perfect time to bring the the real band back together uh, because, you know, there's there's the mental aspect of it, too. And so when I'm talking about giving people a mental break, not only if you bring them in March, not only are you like not giving them a break, but you're asking them to get themselves back up for a game down in Grenada yeah. uh, in El Salvador. And after they just went through the World Cup grind and then played in the World Cup, I feel like that's just asking a lot. Um, yeah. But you bring them back for Mexico after they've had that little break in March. And it's like, okay, come play in this. And then you get the rest of your summer off. I feel like mentally that's a, a much easier ask. Yeah. Like, come, come get up for this Mexico game. 
Um, assuming we get Mexico, I don't know when we'd play them in the semi or if we have to beat Canada or whoever to get to them in the final, which we shouldn't take for granted either. But either of those, like any of those name opponents, they're going to get up for it, uh, semifinal and final. So I think that's the perfect time to get the full group back together, full strength. And hopefully by then we are not still running with Anthony Hudson. Hopefully Vincent Company's running the show at that point. Yep. Or Patrick Vieira, if they keep losing <laughs> at Palace. I don't know. I don't know who we CCB's should hire. going to put in a good word for, for his guy over at Celtic. Yeah. Okay, then the, the Gold Cup, and that's in July. Um, probably we're bringing a B team, right? I would assume so, yes. And again, it's going to be a lot of uh, calculations and, and trying to figure out which players are better served by being with their uh, club's team in preseason if they're European-based. Because again, even though we're not quite as, uh, as childish um, with our player pool as we were last cycle, um, there's still a lot of guys who are just starting to make the moves over there. Where if you bring over a, a if you bring Georgie into the Gold Cup or if you bring um, Brian Reynolds or you know like do they need to be spending that time with their club team? They might be better off. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, I guess we'll see. And then the men have windows in September, October, and November to close out the year. That'll be when the women are doing their victory tour. Uh, <laughs> And the final uh, final thing to note, so, I mean, I, I don't know what, do you have anything to say about the September, October, and November men's national team windows? No, I think by then we'll kind of have returned to the normalcy of like, all right, get the group together. Hopefully hope a couple of those windows would just be in Europe because again, at this point, so much of the key core players uh, are going to be based overseas that it makes way more sense than flying them halfway across the world. Mm. So I, I imagine we'll start, I, I mean, I don't know what the, what the, ticket cost price calculus is um, for, for that kind of revenue generation. But as far as convenience for our player pool, uh, I imagine we'll start seeing more of these games happening overseas. I hope not. <laughs> is, I mean, just because you want to go to the games and also because you want that revenue, that sweet, sweet revenue. I, I want the revenue for sure. I think it's kind of silly to play games in empty stadiums in like uh, small industrial cities in Northern Spain. Um, I mean, I get it, but like, what's, why even have games if you're going to do that? Like the tournament is the world, the next world cup is so far out. Uh, do it in, do it on the East coast and build the game, you know, get, give people, uh, an opportunity to come see the team play. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's do okay. that. Let's go Thank to you, Greg. Let's go to Boston. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> The U-17 World Cup is the last thing we'll mention. That's in no, the U-17 Men's World Cup in November. Always feels a little inappropriate to call it a U-17 Men's World Cup. It's a <laughs> U-17 Boys World Cup. Uh, just two names I think are going to be worth paying attention to. Pedro Soma and Cruz Medina. Uh, a, a number six and a number ten, I guess you'd call them. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's we're we're fully into sicko mode at that point. Uh, watching the U seventeens, tell tell remind everyone how our U seventeens did in the last last World Cup. Not very well. Uh, I think they they went out in the group. Yeah, yeah, crashed out in the group, and everyone sold their Gio Reyna stock. And then I think he started for Dortmund like a month, a couple later. weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was um, it was not instructive really in any way about the players. Pepe was on that team. Busio was on that team. I don't know that we really learned out anything about any of them. 
but it's still fun. It's still it's fun. always fun. That, I mean, it's, that's it's it's good to be back where it's fun, and you don't have uh, all of your hopes and dreams riding on <laughs> six of these players coming good in the next year and a half. Right. I think that's it. Uh, that's that's in Peru. The U twenty World Cup is in Indonesia, so I, I guess TV times might be a little uh, difficult for us here, here on the East Coast. Um, anything else, Greg? No, I don't think so. It's it's going to be. I, I'm hoping for a pretty uh, entertaining 2023, where again, it's just going to be about watching uh, a couple of new faces trying to break through, and then watching the uh, the real crew. Um, ease back into the setup and and start building uh chemistry and then watching the women hoist a trophy at a star yep 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 um come to nashville play so- play pickup soccer with us and uh come to the parking lot and tailgate with us uh, i've got the, greg i've got the i've got the scuff podcast pennies that you uh commissioned <laughs> back before orlando i'll uh, i'll get them washed and fresh and uh bring them all brilliant Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you.